Hey guys, we are back for another episode of Relational Leadership, where we try to give you tips and things that you can use in any area of your life, whether you are managing a family or managing a large company. Um, Our relationships make a difference and how we work with them, that affects every aspect of our lives. So we try to give you tidbits that you can use no matter what. And um, I'm a little nervous today, but uh, my name's Stephanie Clements, and this guy here has a surprise for me. I sure do. Got about a half dozen of them. My name is Sean Daly, and I am Stephanie's junior co-host, as I like to say. And today we're going to be talking about what not to do as leaders. Uh, Think of this as a go-to list of things that you should just probably do the opposite. So I don't know about Stephanie. I plan to share some personal experiences of mistakes that I've made, and within one minute or one day, I thought to myself, man, I really wish I could go back in time and not do that. But before we get into that, I told Stephanie last week that it was her turn to take a run in the hot seat, so I got a few minutes of questions to put Stephanie in the spotlight so we can learn a little bit more about the senior co-host here, and I don't mean that by age, but by experience. All right, so start off with an easy one. All right. Your celebrity crush. Well, are you going through a long list right now? No, there's there's, there's <laughs> two, but uh, some people will know this one or not. But uh, Billy Carrington has always been my what I consider my freebie. So he's country <laughs> music artist. Um, okay. Anybody who has known me for any amount of time knows that that's Billy Carrington. Okay, so Billy, if you're listening, right? Okay, yes. all right. But you said two, so I'm curious. So Hugh Jackman would have been you know, the other Wolverine. One, you know, Wolverine. So yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, and he he also did musicals. I think he got something for guys that can sing. Is what it sounds like. Hugh Jackman yeah. has done a couple of musicals. Yeah. yeah, he has. And not a bad looking fella, I guess, as well. All right. Go to beverage. Chardonnay. Chardonnay. <laughs> All right. Either La Crema or um, Sonoma Catrier usually. Okay. All right. Fine. All right. Okay, if you could have an unlimited supply of anything for the rest of your life, what would that be? And don't Chardonnay. say something philosophical like time with my kids. Or Chardonnay. Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. If there's or maybe any time on the beach too. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Now that, that okay. That that is a, a tad more introspective. Right. Yes, all right. Yes. Time on the beach with a glass of Chardonnay that right. never ends. All right. right. If I took your phone and started deleting apps and said, Stephanie, I'm going to leave two apps on here and only two, what two would those be? Uh, text and email. <laughs> All right. That's, uh, that's functional. Yeah, yeah right, because right. with text and email, you could text somebody, hey, what's going on on Facebook? Or right, right. You can e- you know. email somebody, hey, give me directions on how to get right. to that uh, Chardonnay distributor. Yeah, it might, might, right. have, it might <laughs> actually have to be text and Facebook, maybe. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's see here. I actually wrote some of these down, as you can tell. All right. All right. What food do you like that other people might find odd? What food do I like? I, um, well, I love stuffed grape leaves. So. Okay. um, And I think that probably stems from a Mediterranean Mediterranean lineage. Um, Okay. So my dad was Lebanese and Italian. So, um, Definitely stuff that I grew up with, but we used grape leaves, beet leaves, um, cabbage, 
at times. Okay. But, okay. Interesting. Well, that might be something that some people don't. Uh, I, I've never mm-hmm. seen those on the appetizer menu at Fazoli's, you know. Yeah, <laughs> right, you know. But. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, I think maybe here the last one I'll ask you is, what is your go-to karaoke song? <sighs> I don't really try to karaoke. I try to stay away from that. Sure. But, but you've had that unlimited Chardonnay. It was a good day on the beach. <laughs> Which, you just uh, stuffed yourself with grape so leaves. So many mistakes. And all of there. your friends have now said, Stephanie, Stephanie. Uh-huh. And they hand you okay. the mic. Um, girl crush. Girl crush. <laughs> I am proud to say I, I'm unfamiliar. Well, who sings that? Uh, Little Big Town. Yeah. Uh. I would sing it for you, but I haven't had enough Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on behalf of the audience, I will say thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So that wasn't so bad. Not so bad. Not uh, so bad. All right. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll make them progressively um, uh, more revealing, perhaps, okay. you know, as right. the, we'll get, the episodes yeah. go on. All right. Using me into these. Okay. All right. So we talked about offering up some insights that both you and I have about different things that we've done in the workplace, or maybe things that we've seen in the workplace so I, I that need cause to problems. You because yeah. I haven't made those mistakes. <laughs> I've got a list of your mistakes that right. we're going to go over. Yeah, or you've got a friend. Right. I've got this friend. Okay. <laughs> well, then why don't we let's do that? Then we'll yeah. start. We'll start with your list of my errors. Yeah. So what? What you know? When you think about mistakes in the workplace, uh, what is something that is top of mind to you? Um. Top of mind to me that I I think of, and this really was, I had a friend who um, eventually, air quote, friend. No, that became my manager. (laughs) I got you. Okay. And that didn't necessarily go well because, um, and I think this is a big mistake for new managers is to all of a sudden kind of have a power trip and want to, (laughs) sorry, push, you know, just push their you know, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the boss now and I need to, you know, make sure everybody knows I'm yeah. the boss and that sort of thing. And that can be a really tough place to be because you can jump into new management and it may be that you're taking over, even if you're <clears throat> an experienced manager, you're taking over a new crew Yeah. or, you know, you're just leveling up. But either way, you want to be careful about how you manage that team sure. and 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 make that emphasis on your your new career yeah no that well gosh what a great insight um i know one of the first few times i was put into a leadership position uh, i will freely admit that i was a bit defensive mm-hmm. and typically defensiveness comes from some place of insecurity sure it doesn't mean that we're all a bunch of basket cases who have to spend half our lives in a therapist office being counseled but we all have probably some number of insecurities and when you're a new leader uh, I know for myself I, I was pretty guarded and I was overly sensitive to any sort of challenge or criticism that came my way and I remember one of the I think it was the first leadership job I had in the Air Force I walked past an open door. There was probably a half dozen guys in there, and one of them was holding court, and I was the subject matter. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just walking down the hall um, in an unguarded moment, I guess he forgot I was in the building, uh, he was pretty loudly and proudly cataloging all my bad decisions. Right. Whether or not they had validity you know, on the merits, um, I took it very personal. Sure. I walked sure. in, 
confronted him, he turned beet red. Even if he was right, he probably recognized, uh, I kind of look like an idiot, you know, gossiping about the man behind his back. But I, I recognized after the fact that by doing it the way I did it, I essentially lowered myself, as they say, to his level. Mm-hmm. Fast forward a couple years later, the exact same scenario happened. It was the same open door, different people, but somebody was in there going through the laundry list of everything wrong with my leadership. In that time, okay, I learned a lesson. You know, I walked in, everybody got quiet. Yeah. Like, I mean, Everybody's nobody. Done those, you know, that's the <laughs> yeah, old so. maybe of he's standing right behind me, isn't he? I just, As been, yes, yeah. yes. And I, all I did was I walked in, uh, pretended like I was going over to the copier to see if it had on the register what I had printed off. It didn't. Surprise, surprise. Um, made eye contact with the guy that had been running his mouth and then walked out. Uh, that probably was way more effective. Right. <laughs> because suddenly you're walking in there like the apex predator alpha lion, right? Yeah. You know, you're not there to prove them wrong. And, and so, yeah, big mistake I made early on was being so sensitive to anything that even remotely resembled a challenge that I was always looking to, to tamp that down. And you just can't, sure. you don't have the energy to fight all those battles. Right. Well, um, the next, so, you know, that I always go and do research on, on our topic. Yes, you, know, you so. do your homework. <laughs> you are prepared. Um, the next mistake that um, shows up is micromanaging. Now, I, I do try my best not to micromanage, but I really struggle. If something doesn't get done pretty quickly and, and efficiently and done right, you know, I, I do struggle sometimes with that. Do you, okay, so let me ask you, by, by your nature and personality, that may be something with which you will always struggle because sure. your inclination is to jump in. However, however, as a successful leader and business owner, you've obviously figured out some approaches to help keep that part of you in check somewhat. So somewhat, do you, yeah, do you feel like you're better at not micromanaging now or the flip? empowering people now than you were years ago? I, I give people a chance to show that they can do it and how they're going to go about it. And hopefully, you know, I mean, then if they are not following through, then mm-hmm. it becomes more of a trust issue of, you know, discussing that with them. And if I learn that, nope, I'm, not, I'm never going to be able to trust that they're going to get this done and get it done yeah. right and whatever... Yeah then I really am going to be all on it. And that goes really into the second one, or the third tip of not delegating. Mm. So yeah. that is more my struggle of not delegating because sometimes it's just easier to do it yourself, but all of a sudden you're doing all the things yourself. It, that's right. And and sometimes that is the right answer, right? Uh, I know it's, it's a great phrase that I borrow from the medical community, and that is uh, to always have clinicians practicing at the top of their license. Meaning when we go to the doctor, there's a reason that the CNA takes our height, weight, and blood pressure. Right. And then the RN is doing things that only a registered nurse can do. And then finally you're seen by the NP or the PA or the medical doctor. Right. But in that structure, you've got each clinician at the top of their license. And one of the hard things for us as business owners or leaders to do sometimes is to really confine ourselves. Okay. What, what are the things that only I can do? Yeah. And do those and then 
start offloading the things that people within the organization can do. But right. but it's it's a great theory. It is. It is. <laughs> but in yeah. practice, it becomes a little more tricky and challenging. But it's the whole sharpening your axe and that process also because if you teach if you're if you can take time to teach somebody else to do those things so that you don't have to it does keep your act sharp to take care of the things that you do need to yeah and, well said. um you know so it is it's a hard thing sometimes just because i know exactly what to do i can jump in i can have it done in you know 10 minutes and it would take me half an hour to really teach somebody to do that but once it's done those 10 minute segments are back in my day sure, over that's the course right. of time you yeah know? so yeah i got a question for you though about that um you know if you were to delegate a task you might be a you might be giving them the task of what to do mm-hmm. like this is what you need to do and then this is when it needs to be done by right do you also struggle if what they do is right and when they do it is punctual, but how they do it is different from you? Like, does it somehow like, ugh, like I wouldn't do it that way. Even if they're being effective, do you struggle with that? A little. Yeah. I mean, but I, I tend to, I, I try to bite my tongue. If, if it is getting done and yeah. it's still effective, then yeah. Yeah. I can go, okay, there are multiple ways and it's not the way that I would do it. But, but we may also discuss, you know, hey, that worked and whatever. Here's also how I do it. Yeah, and yeah. you may see, you know, they may look at it and go, actually, that would be easier. Mm-hmm. And and so, I mean, at that point, it's just a discussion. Okay. So the uh, fourth mistake that managers make is not motivating the people below them. And, you know, whether that's reward basis, whether that's just encouragement when they do things so that they know they're going to hear encouragement or something when things get done well or, you know, sales. I mean, a lot of times for salespeople, a lot of times, you know, motivation is just commission. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, but others, you know, they do contests or they do, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to motivate your people. Yeah. Um, and if they feel if they feel like you are encouraging and you have their best interest, you know that it just that in itself may may be the motivation to keep things running. What worked for you? So aside from again, let, let's not, let's not be so philosophical as to fool ourselves. Right. Money, money, money matters. Money, okay, money matters. matters, right? Okay, yep. but but beyond that, what what were ways that you had leaders that motivated you that you found effective? I'm competitive, so a lot of times it's, you know, reaching a goal and, you know, whoever reaches the goal, there's some mm-hmm. sort of reward, you know, gets there first or things like that. I, I mean, by nature, I'm competitive. I'm encouraging. I want us all to win, but I want to win first, you know. Right. <laughs> but, okay. um, so, yeah. yeah. So, first among equals. Right. Right. <laughs> So to me, I mean, even just having those things did um, also just wanting, you know, sometimes just, again, that recognition of knowing that what I'm doing is being seen yeah, and, yeah, and noticed. Yeah. And, you know, so that if I am going out of my way, if I am doing a lot of different things and helping the company, that somebody goes, 
you know, you're a valuable asset to, to right. us, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I know, uh, one of the things that I had to figure out was, uh, that things that motivated me didn't necessarily motivate right. other people, right? right? And other people may be motivated by things that had no no effect on me. And so while there are, I think, a number of formal uh, reward mechanisms that leaders should think about putting into place, whether it's, like you said, competitions, things like that, um, I, I did find that one thing that most people universally appreciated was when the boss simply stopped by their workstation and gave them a specific bit of recognition. It, mm-hmm. it can't be a slap on the back, hey, great job. Yeah, it's, no. hey, I noticed the other night we had that plane coming in late and we needed somebody to stay and run the desk, and uh, it was brought to my attention that you're the one that did that. I don't pretend to know what that meant for you and, like, you know, you're getting home with your family, but just so you know, like, I, I really – Really appreciate you stepping yeah. up and doing that. It's amazing how much of that easy, low-hanging fruit is there to be plucked, and we get so busy sometimes that yeah. we just gloss right over it. We just assume everybody's willing and whatever and 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 never ask. Yeah, this. yeah. So um, poor communication of goals and tasks. So besides maybe I'm good at delegating those things, but if I don't explain what the goal is, what I really want, mm-hmm. um, then a lot of times you leave them flying blind of of where they're supposed to go with things. So I just think, you know, if I say, you know, I need a report of last year's customer base, mm-hmm. am I just pulling names? Right, yeah. Or am I pulling what they did? Am I pulling what, you know, I mean... So now I'm left wondering, well, exactly what does he want out of this report? That's right. And, um, (laughs) uh, you know, as leaders, we are going to have implicitly more of a macro level view of the operation. We may not have the degree of specificity that each one of the people under us has, but we have that proverbial 30,000 foot perspective. And so sometimes when we give guidance like that, in our mind, it's pretty clear but one thing I always reminded myself is that in every position description I ever wrote when I was hiring somebody, nowhere in there was there a requirement that they be a mind reader. And I had to learn the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how in Hades did you not understand what I was asking you to do? And then sure enough, they recounted back and I'm thinking, you know, okay, the transcript of this actually proves them right. Like I, yeah. I, I, there was a critical piece of Intel that I did not share with them, that I just assumed that they would assume and I was wrong. And so you get burned enough and you figure out to be a little more definitive. Well, it is because a lot of, t- I mean, in my mind, when I'm telling you what I want, I know exactly what it is. Sure. I can picture it. I right. see it. I do the whole <laughs> thing. But unless I've really conveyed it, they don't. Yeah. And so, um, you yeah. know, and, and we can do that. We can get in a hurry and be like, you know, hey, I need you there at, you know, three o'clock. And they're like, you need me where? You know, oh, yeah. yeah. Left out that critical it, piece of information. Yeah. And, you know, and, just- you know, <laughs> you know uh, Frederick Ingalls and Karl Marx wrote literature and started an entire you know, economic movement on the idea of capital versus labor, you know, the proletarian versus the elite. But. I will say that owners of private companies 
or in publicly traded companies, you know, management is supposed to have an owner's mentality. Are leading people that have, and I don't mean this negatively, but they have a laborer's mentality. Right. And so when you, as management, are talking to somebody who is a, again, I dare say laborer, and I don't mean any baggage associated with that, but the people have different perspectives. And so an owner with an owner's mentality is going to visualize things different than somebody who says, hey, I, I work hourly and here's my agreed upon you know, scope of duties. And so there's going to be different interpretations. And so again, I I say that as somebody who didn't appreciate that early on. Right. And, but then I was the one left responsible. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, why did your entire department fail to meet this goal? It's like, what are you going to do? Blame the people working for you? (laughs) Right. Right. Well, you know, a couple of these go with things that we've already discussed, um, not giving feedback and failing to give recognition. So that went, but the feedback also needs to come when things aren't right. You have to be able – they don't know that they're doing it wrong if yeah. you're not willing to sit down and explain it and show it. and Yeah. Um, and that's just – it's so important to – you know, if I'm doing something wrong, I want to know. Sure. I would ra- – because my goal is always to excel. And so if I'm not doing it right but I'm doing the best I can and you see a way that I can do it right, I mean, don't set me up for failure. Yeah. You know, set me up for success. So w- with making sure that we protect the innocent, <laughs> can you think of any times as a leader where you were silent on something um, that you just maybe were kind of hoping the behavior would stop and you didn't really address it and it continued on and it finally became a problem that required your attention? Yeah, I can. But um, are you able to tell the story with <laughs> <laughs> Without getting hate mail on your uh, social yeah, media accounts? I, I, think, I think so. Okay. Um, All right. no, I don't want to get so you in trouble. I, had, I did have an employee once that everything they did had just started just getting on my nerves. And nothing. I felt like I had to explain everything way too much. And I really was getting, instead of when they turned things in, I'd just be like, oh, I'll just fix it. Yeah. Instead, yeah. and that you know that's that's a tough spot. Um, again, at, they they had moved into the point just because I didn't enjoy interacting with them anymore. Mm-hmm. That that they there was no winning for them. Yeah. You know, it just so. Yeah. yeah. And, and once that starts, that is typically not a phenomenon that will cease. No. On its own, right? No. Once they figure out, oh, well, no matter what I turn in, the, the, I don't get any feedback, you know, even if the, they know the boss is fixing it. Um, the, once that train leaves the yeah. station, it doesn't typically reverse course on its own. And if it's a large company, you know, it may be that you can move them around, you know, this probably I'm not the best manager for this person, but maybe it is, you know, I mean, there are people who have, too much time invested in the company that they're not going to leave and they're not somebody, you know, that, so you do have to figure out and it's better if you can figure out how to tell them and get them on the right track or get somebody else who can tell them and get them on the right track. Yeah. But it's just, you know, I mean, it's got to happen. So, um, so then the other one is um, the inability to say no. And, you know, as leaders, we have to, you know, 
you want to have that open door policy. You want to have people can come to you. They ask for things. But you still have to do what's best in the best interest of the company. Yeah. And as much as you may want to please employees with things, it's not always in the best interest. And so you do have to be able to say no, not need the accolades of your, you know, be able to disappoint your employees sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, because they're all watching, as soon as you make that exception for one, right? even if in your heart of hearts you can justify to yourself that, okay, the, the nuance of this context, it, it's so odd that it justifies the exception to policy. Uh, and, and occasionally we have to grant those. But it should never be lost on to you that, okay, the version of the story that will circulate around the break room will not be nearly this nuanced. No, no. It'll be, oh, well, if you remember 14 months ago, they went to lunch together. Therefore, you know, uh, he must be her favorite, right? Right. right? right. So, you know, anytime we, we have committed to saying no, except for, right, right. well, only in this case, um, the, the, the tribe sees that, right? Right. Well, and it can be, you know, I've experienced this um, not too long ago, unfortunately, you know, but where things that I wanted in the and it, and it wasn't something that would be unheard of, but we're in a recession or pre-recession or wherever we are right now, that sometimes expansion and things like that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. And it's disappointing, but we live in real life. And, sure. and things happen, and so a company can say, you know, yeah, we were going to help, you know, open up and expand and whatever, but then they have to go, no, we're not expanding. Yeah. We're not doing those things right now. Mm-hmm. And so even if it's not, you know, an exception to sure. the rule or something, it's just we have to be able to say no. If I heard it once, I heard it a thousand times. Uh, from the I time know. I started talking to a... <laughs> <laughs> recruiter uh, at 17 and joining the Air Force, it was the needs of the Air Force come first. Well, but I want to have this job. Well, the Air Force has plenty of them. The needs right. of the Air Force come first. Right. Well, I don't want to deploy in the summer because I really like to watch baseball. Well, the needs of the Air Force come first. Yeah. Well, I've been deployed once for this, once for that. Like, listen, okay, regarding your kids, you can be there for the birth or the conception, not both. You pick, right? The needs <laughs> of the Air Force come first, right? So, so um, you know, we, we, you're right, we do live, and uh, some people struggle with that. Um, yeah. And I don't want to be the cantankerous old man, you know, like, you know, these kids nowadays, but, but more, less people are accustomed to hearing no than once upon a time. Right. And, and no is becoming a bit of a dirty word. Like, well, what do you mean that I can't do this? What do you mean that I, I'm not allowed to do this? Um, so saying no, oftentimes I agree is is one of the hardest things that we have to do as leaders. I mean, you know, one of the things I've had to explain to my kids is that in the end, I mean, there's, Sometimes it's a whole lot easier to just say yes and not deal with the, you know, the fits and <laughs> right, the things. Right. Like. But in the end, you know, my job is to make you functional um, parts of society. And I can see, you know, long term, just like our parents said, you know, I mean, I can see the results long term where they can only see it short term. Yeah. And so, you know. <laughs> It's yeah. to keep you, my, my job is to keep you safe 
it's to, you know, healthy and then hopefully per- ma- making you into viable citizens of, you know, society. And so um, that means I have to say no sometimes. That's right. It, you know, it's, uh, you know, I guess I'm, I'm just a victim of my life and experiences, but as a career military officer, you know, we studied a fair amount of the art of war and in the counterinsurgency phase of all of that education. Uh, one of the famous sayings that came out of Vietnam was, um, okay, listen, we're winning every battle, but the battles we're winning keep getting closer and closer to Saigon. So it's like we're, we're winning every battle, but we're losing the war, right? Yeah, right. And so like, it's like kind of with your kids. Um, okay, I've had a long day. I do not want to go through a meltdown here in Kroger. Right. Fine, you can have that sugary cereal. And you think, well, I just won the battle, but you're – those victories will, in the battlefield, wind up losing the war. Yes, <laughs> when, because now they know, got, yes. and it's like forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, we've all been there. I mean, everybody listening can think of a time where, you know what, I'm just, I'm surrendering. I'm just going to give ground on this one because yeah. I do not have enough gas in the tank to fight this fight. I'll wake up tomorrow, recharge, and I'll get back out on the battlefield. But for today, white flag is going yes. right at the flagpole. That's it. <laughs> so, um the last couple here um, that I, I saw was oversharing of your personal life mm. with your with your workers. Um, sometimes that can not only, you know, where they they can lose some respect for you because maybe your personal life really doesn't flow very well, <laughs> um, and sharing all of that with your workers can you know change you out of the leadership role mm. even though you're there so oversharing not sh- mm. not that you don't share sure anything but if you are going through all your dirty laundry with oh, yeah. your with your yeah. workers yeah you're you know that that can come back yeah. and haunt you yeah no that's true i mean it it's hard to go into work monday morning if all the your workers saw you on Jerry Springer on Friday. Right, right. So, you know. <laughs> so there is just, some degree that you got to fence some of your life off. Right. And, and boy, is that not hard nowadays? Uh, like, you know, you know, like um, my wife and I, we've got a boat. We've got a fairly active social life now because our kids are grown. You know, we, we yeah. my wife and I, were been married almost 30 years. We had our daughter our first year of marriage. So it wasn't until like five years ago that we actually had a social life. Right. Every, right. every year prior to this has been denominated by... PTA meetings and Little League games and club volleyball. So now right. we got this social life, and we have a social life in a time when everybody has uh, high-def, 4K, ultra, you know, definitive cameras on their cell phone. Everybody's got a cell phone, right? right. So um, it, it's becoming harder to keep that solid line between our personal life and our professional life. And, and granted, it doesn't mean that we should be two different people. No. However... You know, I mean, there's there's certain things I just don't want in the office, you know? Right, I mean? <laughs> right, absolutely. So the last one that I have is um, then also being too serious, not being approachable, not being able to take jokes and, and laugh with your crew, that everything has to just be yeah. the way it is. This, you know, this is work. It's not fun. We got to yeah. get yeah. in here and take care of things. And, yeah, you know, you can kill morale with that. Sure. And, uh, you know, in my... In my, again, I, I can only reference my own personal experience, but as an Air Force pilot, uh, the nature of what we did was serious enough that we did not need to invent 
gravity and drama like outside the cockpit. You know, right. if, if on Monday you're flying four combat sorties and then Tuesday you've got the day off, I'm all about kicking back, yucking it up, laughing, pulling pranks. Uh, but we were really good at compartmentalizing. Sure. And you knew, I mean, okay, game time, game face, switch into that gear. But then outside of that, uh, I had no problem flipping the switch. Sure. And, you know, okay, what Will Ferrell movie are we going to laugh about right now? Um, and, yeah, I can't agree with you more because people that laugh at work, people that have fun at yeah. work are going to be productive employees. They're going to be less likely to give you a two-weeks notice and punch out. They're going to stay for the long haul. Right. So anything you can do to engender some appropriate level of, you know, fun at the right time right. is is one of the best investments you can probably make in your company. Well, I know here um, where I'm working, they we have a group text chat and um, – and we are all all about getting things done with these closings and things like that. But somebody will leave their phone out somewhere, and next thing <laughs> you know, there's crazy pictures yeah, coming well. out on the group text. <laughs> you know, so we can still have fun yeah, and yeah. do those things, sure. and that doesn't hinder us from getting any. You know, getting our work. That's right. Done. That's right. That's but, right. Um, believe me, if there's if there's somebody to uh, make fun of. It's going to be oh, in that yeah. chat. You know, it's gonna, <laughs> so you can have fun, too, you know. Um, we are pretty much out of time, so I do have other tips for things you can do, and I think maybe we make that another show. Wonderful. A, a yep. second set of this, but um, and maybe, just maybe, we'll put Sean in the hot seat for that one. I'm not scared. Right. I'm not scared All of right. you. Yeah. Well, you haven't seen my questions. <laughs> what but. is it? The Fifth Amendment, I believe. <laughs> I know my rights. It's not. It's not allowed in the hot seat. So, okay, um, we're we're playing North yeah. Korea rules. Right. You will answer the questions. All right. All right. Fair enough. You answered mine. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, we even had some comments and some interaction. So we appreciate all of that. Uh, if you did enjoy this and feel like it's something where, you know, somebody else could get some benefit out of it, we'd love you to share it. Also, if you will go on YouTube, Audible, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and follow us and subscribe to our uh, podcast, that would be great also. Do all of them. So, not just one, but no, but you can pick one. <laughs> Uh, you do get to see us live, you know, well, not live anymore, but you do get to see us still on YouTube, but the rest of those you can listen mm -hmm. to in your car and catch up on any of the episodes you may have missed. Yep. And uh, as I've mentioned before, if any of you guys have a particular topic that you would like Stephanie and I to discuss that fits somehow, some way under the umbrella of leadership, uh, reach out to us. Let us know what that is because Absolutely. we don't plan on stopping anytime soon and we're always up for great ideas. So if you've got a topic that you'd like to hear us banter about, uh, we would love to hear from you. And if you have questions for Sean, feel free to uh, let me know those too because they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> right, Bring guys. it. Yep. Thank you guys for being here. We'll see you next see time. See you next week. <laughs>